wow, 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 is all I have to say with everything that was going on Friday. This is Edge of URC Podcast. I am host Brandon Lachance. There is so much to talk about. I am going to jump right into this. Life is super crazy right now. Of course, we are still going through the COVID-19, coronavirus stuff, lockdown, stay-at-home orders. Already sports have been postponed, delayed. More things happen. There was some live stuff. So we have some good. We have some bad. This is going to be a mixed emotion Edge of URC podcast. We'll start with the good stuff. We have LaSalle Peru alumna Rachel Hickey on the show who is now a sophomore at Illinois State University and a big part of their cross-country and track team. She joined Edge of Your Seat podcast, had a lot of awesome stuff to say. She was also part of Team USA, did some running for them last summer. So she has a great career behind her and ahead of her and so many things to look forward to in a very crazy time. Also good stuff was the ESPN Horse Challenge. I've been calling it the NBA Horse Challenge, but there was Allie Quigley, who is a WNBA player from the Chicago Sky. There was Tamika Ketchings, who is a WNBA retired player. There was Paul Pierce and Chauncey Billups, who were retired NBA players. So it's kind of hard to call it the NBA Horse Challenge when it's not just all the NBA. So the ESPN Horse Challenge, I did watch the semifinals and finals on Thursday. It was pretty cool to watch. Started off with Mike Conley from the Utah Jazz and before mentioned Chauncey Billups in the semifinal. Conley won H-O to horse. He only had two letters. It was an old school game. Billups is retired. Mike Conley is kind of an old player. He was drafted in 2007. So it was an old school game, you know, jump shots, not a lot of going to the basket, unless it was kind of slow. They're both guards, so it wasn't like they were trying to dunk. And you couldn't dunk. There were rules on these, such as that. So this is how it kind of broke down. Billups had H-O-R before Conley even had a letter. And he missed on a right-wing bank shot behind the hoop all net. It was kind of cool. Conley, one shot behind the hoop into the net, didn't touch anything. And then the R was, you had to throw it in the air, spin, and then on one foot, knock down a three. Conley did it, Billups could not. So I guess they were jump shots. They were like trick jump shots. So they were, they were kind of cool, but it was a different kind of semifinal than the one that happened afterwards. And we'll get to that in just a second. Conley got his H on a top of the key off the glass. Billups got his S off a one-handed three. And it was kind of cheating, sort of, kind of. Conley is pretty much ambidextrous. He says his right hand is his weak hand, but it's only his weak hand in basketball. He can write with it. He eats with it. He can cook with it. He can do everything with both hands, pretty much. Just he's predominantly left when it comes to basketball. That's what he dribbles with. That's what he does everything with. But he can shoot threes, free throws, everything else with his right hand only. So it was kind of cheating, but he kept going to it throughout this horse challenge. Another advantage that Conley had, and I'm not saying they were the reasons that he pulled this out against Billups and along the horse challenge, but he wasn't an indoor gym. Every other competitor was outside. Billups looked like he was cold. (laughs) 
So those are two kind of advantages that Conley had. Conley got his O on a right wing bank three that Billups knocked down. And then Billups was eliminated with a two-handed granny free throw that Conley knocked down. In the other quarterfinal, Chicago battle. The before-mentioned Allie Quigley from the Chicago Sun against Zach Levine. We all know the star shooting guard from the Chicago Bulls. And what I didn't notice in the semifinals, Billups lost the coin toss and Quigley lost the coin toss. Both lost. Levine won. He only had HOR while Quigley fully spelled horse. And it was back and forth from the beginning. Quigley got an H on a between-the-legs reverse layup. Then Levine got an H on an elbow one-hop left foot jump shot. So from the elbow on the free throw line, hop to the left, and then shoot off your left foot. Quigley got her O off a no-rim layup, which was pretty much a dunk. Levine jumped up, his head was pretty much at the rim, and like set it in the hoop without dunking it. Crazy. It was pretty much a dunk. He was right there. Then Levine gets his O on a sitting down mid-range left wing bank shot. So she sits down in between the paint and the three-point line and banks it off the backboard and Levine could not make it. Then Levine got an R as Quigley went right of the basket behind the backboard. So she was behind the backboard on the right side and made it over the backboard. Levine couldn't make that. But then he gets Quigley with three straight letters as he just goes to the hoop. Keeps going to the hoop. Keeps going to the hoop. Because he had the athleticism. The dude is crazy athletic. The first layup of the game that he made, he started at the free throw line and was like, okay, take one hop and then make a layup. He took that one hop and he was legitimately like three or four feet away from the hoop. So it really wasn't that difficult for him. Quigley made it, but it was right there. Another one that they both made that... Quigley was kind of surprised that she could even do is Levine went between his legs and then a layup like all in the air sort of kind of so he bounced the ball between his legs grabs the ball and does a layup Quigley did the same thing not as dynamic <laughs> as Levine made it look but she got the job done but the last R S and E for Quigley are off the backboard reverse left hand S your back is to the hoop you jump 180 in the air and shoot while you're midair. The E was an off backboard, between the legs, layup. He took full advantage of his athleticism, no doubt about that. With him winning that setup, Conley and Levine in the final, I honestly thought Levine was gonna go back to that, and he tried to, but the problem is, is although Conley might not be as tall as Levine, he is still athletic and a gifted athlete. So this one lasted a little longer than both of the semifinals, because they were going back and forth at it and we had on five occasions where they both made a shot but Conley still only had HO as he is the ESPN horse challenge champion Levine had HO the first two letters of the game Conley makes a behind the back off board layup then he makes a eyes closed free throw they both made it all net layup which were almost dunks Levine's was definitely almost a dunk same kind of deal and Conley, he was, he was pretty close there. I mean, he's got hops too. Conley gets the H. We have to tap the hoop with the ball and then do a reverse layup. Again, Levine using his athleticism. Then he tries to do it again with the 360 spin, ball to the right, and then layup with the left. So you have the ball in your right hand. You do a 360 spin and then layup with the left. They both did that. 
Levine gets his R with the offhand corner three. Again, Conley playing to his advantage. He's ambidextrous. And Levine knew that coming in. He's like, man, I know he can shoot with both hands. I know he can shoot. And then Conley was like, well, I know Levine is a great jump shooter. And I know he can take it to the rim. So I don't know what we're going to do. He found a way, obviously. Then Conley gets an O with a top of the key three off the backboard. Levine drained it. It made it look easy. Then they both made both of these shots consecutively. So it was a right wing three, kind of parallel to the free throw line, and then an off-handed free throw. Then Levine gets his S as Conley tried to do this four times and finally made it on the fourth time. He spun the ball on his finger, on his left finger, punched it with his right hand, it went off the glass, and then in. Levine could not do that. Then they both made a left wing bank three, and then Levine gets his E with a layup over the backboard. Conley made that look super easy. It was like he was just gliding along, throws the ball up, it goes behind the backboard and in the hoop. Levine didn't even have enough room between his backboard and the fence that was guarding his court. You know, <laughs> it, it didn't really work out in his favor, but Conley made it look so easy. I would not play horse against any of the competitors that I've mentioned throughout this tournament, but definitely not Conley, because Conley can do a little bit of everything. He is athletic. He can shoot, he is ambidextrous, and he was inside a gym instead of on an outdoor court where Levine at the end in the finals against Conley, he had his hood up, it was raining. At the end, they're trying to do a post-challenge conference, and it's raining. You can see the rain getting on the camera, and he says a couple times while he's trying to do stuff that he's afraid that he's going to fall because his court was starting to get slick. So... You know, Conley won. I'm not trying to take anything against him, saying like, hey, he had an advantage, but he did what he was supposed to do. Got the dub, got the trophy. It was a lot of fun to watch. Not that horse is the most entertaining game ever, but it was live. We got to see, you know, their homes. We got to see their courts. Um, they did little side sections. Billups has his daughter's home from college. They're chilling. Got to see the dynamic with his family. Conley had his two little boys at the gym playing around during the semifinal. And then during the final, they went home because they needed a nap. It was just little cool dynamic stuff that maybe if the NBA season were going on right now, we would not get to encounter or get to witness. Not saying that I would rather have that than an NBA season. Never. I am dying for some NBA basketball, which is not going to happen for a while. But it was cool to be part of that and... No witness their family life too. I had no idea that Allie Quigley was married to Courtney Vandersloot, who is also on the Chicago Sky. I really don't pay attention to WNBA all that much. It's not that I don't appreciate the game. It's not that I don't like it. But during the summer, after all of the NBA stuff and March Madness, not saying that I ever get tired of basketball, but I'm outside doing stuff. So I really don't watch a lot of WNBA games and and follow the players and things like that. But it was a cool dynamic. You know, these two players are married. And I guess this past season, Vandersloot averaged 9.1 assists per game, which is a WNBA record. And a lot of her assists were to her wife. So that was pretty cool because her wife, Allie, is a knockdown shooter. And it was cool to find out the dynamic. Like she's a second or third round pick. She had to go play overseas. And she didn't become an all-star till her seventh year in the WNBA. So she had to work. She didn't just get stuff handed to her. She wasn't a star player straight out of UConn, going to make it to the top of the league. As soon as she gets there, she wasn't one of them. So to hear her background story and 
what she's went through and what she had to overcome to get to the level of play that she's at now was really cool. And I, I like to watch that and like to know about it. And I felt more knowledgeable about the NBA game and the Chicago Sky players. So it was pretty cool. And they were rocking some pretty cool Chicago Sky gear. Like I kind of want to get a powder blue Chicago Sky hoodie. They looked pretty cool. I think I want to grab one. Uh, I mean, I should. Got to support Chicago, right? But while we're still talking about basketball, a lot of news today, as I previously mentioned. So let's get to some of this. First of all, the NBA, as of May 15th, is going to hold 25% of player salaries. The NBA and the Players Association agreed to this, which, if you did not know, Chris Paul is the president of the NBA Players Association. So they agreed to this to hold 25%. I mean, I don't think there's going to be the rest of a basketball season. I, I really don't. So to pay these players to do nothing but sit at home. So I think it's only fair. If the NBA players are not working, they shouldn't get their full salaries. Just like if normal human beings, not that NBA players aren't normal, but they're on you know crazy contract. People that work at your normal businesses that are closed down, and don't have a check coming in, no income. I mean, it's only fair. I hate to say that nobody should be getting money, everybody should. Thank you to the state of Illinois and United States for trying to make certain programs happen and we all just got stimulus check. So we're all trying, we're all in this together. But I think it's only fair that these people that are getting paid crazy money, which they deserve, when there's a regular NBA season, I'm all about it. Hey, we're all watching, we're all tuning in. We're buying that memorabilia we're buying those jerseys we're buying those hats and t-shirts and shorts and all that other stuff i see bears bulls blackhawks white Sox, cub stuff everywhere there is no reason that if an organization an association can pay their employees to do that then why not if any of us were at a bank or a mcdonald's or a walmart or anywhere else and they're like hey we're making this much money we don't have all the employees that we do right now, so we have extra money to give to our employees. Here's a $15 raise. You're not going to take that? Of course you are. So if these athletes have the ability to do what they do and have all of us watching like, oh my gosh, that is impossible. They deserve that money. I hate when people say, oh, well, they shouldn't get all that money. Blah, blah, blah. It's supply and demand. Sports are one of the biggest demands in the world not just america in the world that's why they are everywhere if you haven't noticed throughout this corona deal everybody is feeding for some sports everybody even if you don't like sports i've seen somebody put on twitter is like i really don't even like sports but i kind of miss hearing people talk about it i kind of miss flipping through channels and catching a score real quick and then turning the channel so it's just little things like that but sports is a major part of our society so for them to have that big contract because somebody can pay them that big contract, why not? I would do it. You would do it if you had the ability. Also saw that Adam Silver said the league is not in a position to make a decision to see when the league is going to come back around or any other further negotiations of seeing what's going to happen. Also makes sense. We have no idea where we're at in this COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic, national emergency. We have no idea. I think it's crazy that people are like, oh, well, we're going to try to do this and come back then. You don't know if you can. So why put hopes up when you don't know if you can? Because then when we get to those dates, 
Like, oh, we're going to be able to do this at the end of March. And the March came, we couldn't. Oh, well, we're going to be able to do this a couple weeks into April. The last couple weeks of April came, and we couldn't. So instead of raising the hopes of people, what really happened is there was a glimmer of hope, and then it was slammed shut. It was burned. It was destroyed. So why continuously do that when we're all in this craziness together? There is no reason to put hopes up and just to have them smashed. We all know what we're doing. We all know why we're quarantined. We all know what we're trying to get rid of to stop spreading this virus. So let's just focus on that. And when it happens, then we have a date. Then we have a time where we can all breathe and let that boulder roll off our shoulders and let life get back to normal as much as possible. I know life as normal as we knew it is not going to be the same. There's going to be tons of changes that we're not aware of yet. And that's okay. We should change. We should try to make sure that this never happens again so that future society does not have to go through this because this is insane. There is no doubt about it. The whole world is on pause. So let's just get through it without putting false hopes up and kind of breaking our spirits more than they already are. Let's just shoot for a goal to get rid of the virus. That should be the number one important thing. We shouldn't be shooting for, oh, well, we should be done by this date. Because you don't know if that's going to happen because we don't know what we're dealing with here, obviously. Just saying we should stop that. It's getting ridiculous. Let's shoot for the goal. Let's make the goal. And the goal is to get rid of the virus. That does not need a timetable. Another cool thing dealing with basketball, the WNBA did have its draft on Friday, and it was a virtual draft. The players, the coaches, everybody at home doing stuff over their phone, videos. I thought it was cool to still have it, something to still pay attention to. And I think that is going to set the standard for the NBA draft, which is going to come up, or the NFL draft, which is usually right around the corner here. I have a feeling that that's going to show these other associations, leagues, that this works, that people are still going to pay attention, that people still want to know where these college players are going and who is going to be on the teams when we are actually able to get back on the court or field. The first two selections of the WNBA were from the University of Oregon. The number one pick to the New York Liberty, Sabrina Ionescu. Number two is Satu Sabali. She goes to the Dallas Wings. The number three was Lauren Cox from Baylor going to Indiana Fever. The Chicago Sky did not select until the eighth pick, and they picked Ruthie Hubbard from Oregon. Oregon had tons of talent this past year and had three picks in the first round. South Carolina had two. Just a lot of awesome players from those two schools. It was kind of weird seeing UConn only on here once. Megan Walker went with the ninth pick to the New York Liberty. The Liberty had the first pick and the ninth pick and the 12th pick, taking Jasmine Jones from Louisville. So if New York Liberty worked this out right, they could be a really solid squad coming up here. That'll be fun to watch. Before we get to other things we want to discuss on Edge of Your Seat podcast, let's talk about your home renovations. With this time of quarantine, because of COVID-19, you're at home, you may start to see a few things that may need to be updated. Whether it's a light fixture or an entire kitchen remodel, 
Olson Construction is here to help. The family-owned and operated company prides itself in offering family prices with family honesty. Olson Construction specializes in roofing, siding, windows and doors, deck designs, remodeling, and garage and room addition. Owner Keith Miles has been in construction for over 10 years and is willing and able to take care of your home renovations from start to finish with your thoughts and opinions taken with every step of the journey. For a free estimate, call Olson Construction, which is fully licensed and insured at 815-910-5982. You can also contact them on Facebook at the Olson Construction LLC page or by email olsonconstruction19 at gmail.com. I guess we're going to go back to sad news here. If you didn't know, WWE has released a lot of their talents on their 200 wrestler roster. WWE also trying to deal with this virus as best as they can, so they let some people go to clear up some cash, clear up some room. You never like to see anybody let go, and there was some talented people in there, a lot of talent. EC3, I mean, he's not wrestling anymore, but Kurt Angle, definitely a good personality to have around. Maybe they could use him as a manager going forward. I thought they were going to do that. They had a storyline with him not too long ago where Jason Jordan was his son. <laughs> I didn't really follow it too much. I really don't watch new wrestling as much as I've watched the old stuff in the past, but still could use him. Fortunately, they had to let him go. Carl Anderson was let go. Just a lot of good wrestlers, talented individuals that are parting ways with WWE or WWE is parting with them. It's kind of sad. Also, in the not-so-cool talk of WWE, rest in peace to Howard Finkel, who was the voice of WWE for a lot of our childhoods. He was the first employee that Vince McMahon hired when he bought WWF from his father. Hires Howard Finkel. He is there forever as a ring announcer. Did a great job. Had that voice for all of the original WrestleManias. And you knew who he was. <laughs> you always knew who he was. And you'd see him and be like, hey, that's Fink. So rest in peace to him. He will always be a figure that I remember in my childhood. There is no doubt about that. Also announced on Friday was J.B. Pritzker, governor of Illinois, stating that schools are done for the calendar year. Kids are not going to go back to school. Kind of already seen that coming when this all started to happen and kids were asked to clean out their lockers. E-learning took place and adjustments were taken to still have kids learn outside of the classroom. I had a feeling that it wasn't just going to be for a couple weeks or for a month and that it was going to be continued if we couldn't get rid of this thing. And that's exactly what is happening. So hopefully everybody can get by. I know we are used to your parents going to work, kids being at school, then you see each other, you know, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock. You love your kids, but sometimes they're obnoxious or, you know, all the things that kids can be. I'm not going to go through all the adjectives. We all know. Your parents, I'm not a parent, but I see it on a daily basis. I have nieces and nephews. I have best friends with kids, all that other good stuff. So I see it happening. You guys know how it works. Don't have to go into those details. Everybody likes to have their little breaks from whether it's their kids or their spouse or mothers or, you know, all that other good stuff. And with this happening, it's kind of getting hard to have those breaks. And the normalcy 
that these children are used to is taken away. As the human race, our society is not good with change. Never. Never have we been. So to have an 8-year-old, a 7-year-old, a 12-year-old say, hey, you can't go to the school anymore that you've been going to for a few years and you know all these kids and you can't talk to them. Your gym period is taken away. Your lunches that you're usually sitting at the cafeteria making fun of the teachers with, with your friends and classmates, you know, that is all gone. I am sure they're not dealing with it as well as we'd like. I bet you they like watching TV and being able to play more, but after a while that gets old, just like for us adults. Yeah, it was cool at first, came home for a couple days, played some video games, read a couple books, just chilling around, and then all of a sudden you're like, now I know why I have a job, now I know why I live life, because sitting around is not all that fun after you're doing it for a long time. I'm on weekly rotation, so I go through a week of not doing nothing and then go back to work for a week. I am very blessed. I am very happy that I'm in the position that I'm at. No doubt about that. I'm not complaining. But it does get weird once you get two, three days in and you're like, okay, well, I've already read that. I've already played that. Sure, there's more that I could read and play, but I need to do something different. So you just kind of got to like sink down and be like, hey, this is life right now. You know, I'm stronger than this. Just get over it. We'll be all right. And I do want to say something to, you know, people getting depressed. I was almost there. I'm not going to lie. It's hard. I understand that. And, you know, I'm by myself. I don't have a family, no kids, nothing like that. So I don't have anything to keep me occupied other than my mind and what I'm doing. And I can understand being around people, even though you love them, if it's out of order, out of the routines that we're used to, things can get messed up in the mind, emotions. Depression is real. It's always been real. And in a time like this, when it's doom and gloom, because we're on an attack from a virus, and the weather is now cold again, and it's snowing, just try to keep your head up as best as you can. Smile. Call those people that make you happy. Do those things that you need to do. Talk to friends. Talk to family on the phone. Skype. Snapchat. Whatever you got to do to keep your mind in a good place. It's tough. You totally know it is. And I was going through a couple of days where I'm like, man... Life was not the usual B. <laughs> Everybody calls me B if you didn't know. My name is Brandon. It starts with a B. It's a nickname I've had since I was born. The usual B took a break for a couple days and was just like, you know, this, I don't even know how to talk about it because it was so different for me because I'm not usually that type. Um, for the most part, upbeat and optimistic and looking for the future to be better than the next day. Well, with everything going on, it's kind of hard to do that. So that's why I'm, I'm saying this from personal experience. I'm not just trying to be a counselor or anything like that. I'm sharing, actually. Sharing what is happening to me, and I know what's happening to others. So you just got to keep your head up and try the best that you can to look for the sun through the clouds. The best that you can. We have no choice at this point. We're all strong. We're all here for a reason. We have to stay here for a reason. We have to fight through the depression. We have to fight through the time that we're going through. I've been on a lot of spiels on this show. Hopefully you understand my point. If you don't, feel free to reach out and say your perspective, the other side of what I am saying. No problems with that. I'd love to discuss it. You can do that by social media, on Facebook, Edge of Your Seat Podcast, or Twitter, Edge of Your CP. You can also email at edgeofyourseatpodcast at gmail.com. And I don't know where you're listening to this, but if you would like to flip to another outlet or 
Share the show with friends, family, other people that enjoy podcasts, especially if you're from the Illinois area, kind of local, talk to local people. I do spread my wings as much as possible and we'll be spreading more, but it still has that little touch of home for us Illinoisans. We are on Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, and Google Music. But yeah, we have to keep our heads up, even if you're younger. With schools not returning, there is a very, very good possibility that the spring sports state tournaments are going to be canceled just like state basketball was for the boys. It's sad to hear, and it's kind of depressing. It it really is. But to try to get rid of this coronavirus, I mean, it might be worth it. The IHSA, the Illinois High School Association, is going to have a meeting on Tuesday to make a final decision on whether the spring state tournaments are going to be canceled or not. Of course, we would all like for them to continue, get athletes back in the games. But until this is over, we definitely got to hold off. We have to do what we have to do as a human race to survive. I think that is enough of talking about the coronavirus and how it's changing stuff. But we know what's going on and just wanted to update, just in case you hadn't heard, what is going on with schools, basketball, professional sports, wrestling. A lot of things are changing, and we're starting to see the lasting effect of what's going on here. Yeah, it's only been a month, maybe a month and a half, but we're starting to see the things that are changing even more. First, it starts with you know, little layoffs here, unemployment, then the unemployment blows up, economy, the hospitals, the, the people that are in there, the numbers of cases and deaths of the COVID-19, everything is going up. The things in the stores, we have to social distance, we're 10 feet apart from each other, or six feet apart from each other. Lobbies are being closed for banks and businesses and all kinds of changes. And now we're starting to see the financial stuff with it as well on a much larger scale than rural towns anywhere, like big, huge billionaire businesses are going through major changes. It's going to get very interesting as we plug along here. What is also very interesting, or who is also very interesting, is Rachel Hickey. Great guest. I've talked to her many times over the years as a runner, cross country and track in high school. She won tons of medals, including two state championships for the 800 meter run. And now she is in college trying to do the same thing. I know she cannot wait to get back into the world of track and field. We had a great talk about all kinds of things, and she is an amazing person. Wish her the best on all of her adventures, so why waste any more time, and let's get to the adventures and life of Rachel Hickey. Until next time, peace. So if there's anything that I have ever been like pushed aside for like hold on Brandon I didn't hear that or could you please repeat it would be because of academics and my guest just did that to me right now before we started recording Rachel Hickey from LaSalle Peru now at Illinois State University thank you for putting me on pause for academics (laughs) no problem I guess student athlete (laughs) that has to come first right Yep, student before athlete.
Well, Rachel Hickey did a lot of awesomeness at LaSalle Peru. Won two state titles in the 800. Runner-up a couple times. Did some other stuff with relays. The 1600 finished third. And then goes to ISU and does even more craziness. We'll get into numbers and stuff like that. But I really haven't talked to you since you went to Illinois State University. You're in your sophomore campaign right now. Let's just talk about that transition from high school. You win some state championships. Everybody knows your name. You're the top dog. And then you go into Illinois State University, which has a crazy awesome track program. And how did the transition go and how did you fit in? Um, I think with like all transitions, it was moments where it was really tough, but... Overall, I like think it was fairly smooth. Academically, the load wasn't terrible my first two semesters. I wish I could say the same now, but I did it to myself. Um, but, I mean, it was definitely different. It was a lot more than I was expecting. And, I mean, I keep telling Ashley this, who's uh, coming to ISU next year, whenever we train together, now that I'm home, I get to see her a lot more often. But I just keep telling her, like, two years ago, I never would have pictured myself doing the training that I'm doing right now. And just being as consistent, I guess, as I am. So uh, as far as the transition, it was a bigger jump than I think I realized at the time, and it led me to some struggles later in my freshman year, that's for sure. Gotcha, and you're talking about Ashley Heggy, correct? Yes, yeah. Who is also For a friend of the podcast? She's been on here. Former teammates and then soon to be Redbirds again together. So, I mean, we're, we're really excited about that. I would, I would like to say I played a small role in her recruitment, but... <laughs> Who knows? That was going to be my next question. I have a feeling you did. I think I remember talking to Ashley about this, and she said that, you know, she wanted to run with you again. So I think you did. Well, that's good. I tried to make it, you know, I, I kept telling her, I was like, it's your decision, it's your decision. I won't judge you wherever you go, you know, we'll still be friends. But the whole time I was really pulling for her to be a Redbird. And what are you going to school for since we have made it clear that student-athlete is very important? What are you going to school for at Illinois State? Well, <laughs> what am I not going to school for is almost a better question. Um, so I, I came in freshman year as a declared journalism major. And after my first semester freshman year, I added on a marketing major. So I'm doing uh, more of like a public relations advertising sequence of marketing. And then I also decided to add on a minor and get my coaching certificate while I'm there in case I ever want to coach. Wow, that's the good way to do it. You know, I've, I've kind of got my foot in every door possible. So. Yeah, I mean, from personal experience, I have my foot in all those doors now. But I only went to school at SIU, Southern Illinois, for journalism. So I got the journalism degree, but didn't have anything coaching. Now I'm an assistant with Illinois Valley Women's Basketball. And then the PR side, I've kind of like picked up stuff on my own. But the way you're doing it is fantastic. I wish I would have done that when I was younger. I don't think I could do it anywhere else, to be honest. Illinois State is great because it lets you customize your education in that way. And I mean, it's going to take me an extra year, sure, but... For the value I'm walking out of that place with, I have no regrets about that. In an extra year of college, when you're like 40, 45, you're like, man, I wish I could go back. So having that extra year is going to be cool for you. Yeah, and I mean, I'm crazy enough to even consider more school after that. So we'll see what I end up deciding to do. <laughs> it's okay to be crazy about school. That's one thing that being crazy about is definitely okay. So my parents tell me. So let's talk about running. You have been a lifetime runner. That is pretty much how you're known as besides being a student as well. Uh, let's talk about cross country first at Illinois State. I mean, how has the courses treated you? I thought I saw some of the hardest courses I've 
I thought I could see in high school. Uh, I know when we went to Geneseo, that was like one of the hardest courses in memory, but I was very, very wrong. <laughs> there are a lot more hills in college, and the irony of it is when I moved to Normal, Normal's a very flat town. <laughs> Actually, when I come home now uh, and train at home, I am stunned at how bad at hills I am now because I've been away from them for so long. But, um, you know, some courses beat you down for sure. But as a whole, I would say cross country has become one of my favorite things. And it's weird for me to say that because I absolutely hated cross country in high school. And I told colleges at the beginning of my recruitment that I would only come to their school on the base that I didn't have to run cross country. Definitely didn't see myself <laughs> ever saying that I like cross country, but here we are. And, you know, I just, I had a really good freshman year in cross country and that was a shock to me. And it put into perspective for me and I think my coaches, how, how much potential there is in that area for both cross country and my track careers. Being a good cross country runner just makes you better on the track. I've definitely taken a different approach to cross country. I used to just use it as a base for track, and now I love it. And every time I get on the course, I just I want to attack it. So we, we want to win a conference title in cross country, too, not just track. So what made the change? I mean, you started off saying, hey, I only want to be on the track team. I don't want to join your cross country team. And then obviously you're doing both at Illinois State, so there was a change there. And now you love it. What was it about cross country that you slowly came around to it? I don't know if this is, like, the change, but there's this moment that sticks out in my recruiting process where I, I was walking around, I was telling coaches this, and I was convinced I'm not running cross-country. And I went to Iowa on a visit, and I told their coach, I don't want to run cross-country. And so the distance coach was like, okay, here's who we need to talk to. And they sent me to this guy who was, his title was a, like, long sprint mid-distance coach. So I think he coached everything from, like, 200 to 800 and he sat down and he told me, he's like, you need to run a 54 in the 400 for me to consider you a true 800 runner. <laughs> and at that moment, I kind of walked away from that because I don't think my body can move that fast. <laughs> I would say the change just kind of started happening freshman year just as a result of the surprise success that I saw myself having. I mean, I ran a 5K faster than I ran a three-mile in high school. And for me, that was just proof that I can be a cross-country runner. I'm not just a half-miler. and I just I mean, I had great teammates. Our team did really well at the conference meet that year. And it was just overall a different environment than track is because that is a closer-knit group because it's just the 14 of us. We all do the same training. We all do the same thing. And we all tow the line at the same time. So it's definitely a different, different vibe. <laughs> you said that Cross country is not one of your favorite things. Would you put cross country over track now? No. <laughs> <laughs> you said one of, not the favorite. I gotcha. Correct. It probably still ranks below indoor and outdoor, but it's catching up to indoor because I have a couple grudges with indoor still. <laughs> <laughs> My body does. <laughs> Before we get to the grudges of indoor, you have not yet been able to do outdoor with ISU. Is that correct? That is correct. <laughs> so you redshirted as a freshman. You were supposed to be in your sophomore outdoor season right now, but unfortunately, as all of us, our lives have been detoured by the corona COVID-19 virus. 
So yeah. that is why you were, have not been in the outdoor season yet, is that correct? That is correct, and the irony of it is I will now be a freshman, eligibility-wise, in my third year of college. <laughs> that is crazy. I'm going to be almost 21 years old when I <laughs> utilize my freshman season, so um, I don't know if that's sad, I don't know if that's comical, I don't know if it's all of the above, <laughs> but it's something. It's definitely something to mention, that's crazy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> this stage, I guess, or, you know, where we're at right now, do you still plan to use all four? Yeah, that's the thing I don't yet know completely. It's it's kind of complicated, just the logistics of it. Uh, there's a lot that the NCAA and ISU still need to figure out about how all that works. And personally, I would need to figure out how to add on another year of education and decide if I really want to stick around a whole year just to compete one season or if by chance I mean I know having this conversation with my coaches we're we've been hoping that I won't really need that extra year that I will have the opportunity other opportunities to run by that point so yeah it's kind of a we'll see how the next three years go type of thing I understand that. Everybody is just kind of like, hey, what's going on right now? Because nobody knows, especially in a case like yours where, you know, things get derailed really quickly and then don't know when the ending of this is going to be. Yeah, I think there's a big part of me and my coaches that are just hoping I won't I won't need that extra development and I can maybe continue to have a career running outside of college. But again, we'll see. That's a long time away. I'm probably going to be like 24 by that point, and I'm 19, and I don't know what I want to do with my life, so <laughs> that's bad. Gotcha. At 19, you don't necessarily have to know everything. you got enough going on where you're okay. Right. I know I want to keep running for as long as possible, so that's, that's about it. <laughs> Well, you have been able to do two indoor seasons with the Redbirds. Let's talk about your freshman year. Did a lot of things. You earned bronze in the 1,000-meter run at the Notre Dame Invite. In your debut with ISU at the Coughlin Mallory Cup, you won the 600 and the mile. So instant success as soon as you touched the track in your freshman year. Had to be a great feeling. You know, it was. Uh, it definitely was at the time. Indoor was kind of a whirlwind because it goes by so fast. It's just January to February pretty much because by the end of February we have our conference meet. And if you're not going to nationals, that's, that's it. That's your indoor season. And then you go right into outdoor. Um, so the beginning of indoor was definitely, I had a lot of momentum from cross and I was feeling pretty good about myself. But it kind of, <laughs> indoor took a turn um, halfway through my freshman year and it actually kind of ended up being a disappointment despite everything. I am proud of the things I did my freshman year, but it, again, it, it just kind of didn't turn out the way we hoped. And why was that? What happened that kind of derailed it a little bit? So at the conference meet my freshman year, I definitely got into my head a little bit too much. And it was kind of like a reflection of my junior year of high school. I was so in my head and I put so much pressure on myself that I was just like, I didn't perform. We came into the conference meet knowing we should be all Valley in the mile and knowing that that was a legitimate thing to shoot for as a freshman. And I saw the people who were ranked in front of me. There was a 444 miler in the race. And I was like, how am I supposed to compete with her? And, you know, my coach put me on the anchor leg of the DMR and something just got in my head. I just, 
you know, <laughs> we were in second when I got the baton for the DMR, and that ended up being the first year in a long time we didn't medal in that event. You know, as much as my teammates tell me it wasn't my fault, I keep feeling like to this day it was. And the next day I got fifth in the mile, and that was just a big disappointment. And we found out about a week later, uh, I got an MRI on uh, my foot, and we found out a week later I had been running on an injury for probably the last month without knowing it because I had no signs of pain. The only reason we got it checked out was because my coach said my running looked off. So, uh, yeah, I ended up, you know, indoor was a disappointment because of what it led to in outdoor, I would say. That's why you redshirted your outdoor season? Yeah, so I, I took three weeks on crutches after that news, and by that point, it was just, it wasn't worth trying to rush into an outdoor season that I wasn't going to be proud of, and we had the tough talk of what I, what I really want to do, and, you know, I told my coach that academically, I need that fifth year anyways, so I'm okay with taking the year off and being better the next four. Definitely. Well, you bounce back from freshman indoor to sophomore indoor. You're in six meets. You win five of them. The Missouri Valley champ in the mile with a time of 452.11. You helped the medley, the distance medley relay, which you just mentioned, the DMR, to a title as well. And to add to your sophomore credentials, you run a lifetime best of 208.58 in the 800 at the Iowa State Classic, which is fourth in Illinois State University history. Also to add to the history books, that DMR title that I was talking about was an 1145.99, which is eighth at ISU. So you're already in the history books all over it for the Redbirds. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're trying to be. Uh, we're trying to get a couple more, couple more number ones by the time I graduate. <laughs> So just talk about that turnaround. I mean, yes, you were disappointed freshman year. Yes, you had an injury. You had to redshirt because you were on crutches. Kind of trials and tribulations. And then you come back your next year and bam, you are doing what you thought you could have done the year before. Yeah. I think a lot of that was just due to an increase in confidence. Just having a year of experience under your belt, it makes so much difference coming to the line on championship days. And you just, you don't feel like, a little baby anymore. <laughs> you you just feel like you belong there a little bit more, and like you've been there before, so you know what to expect. You know everything about your competition. You've seen them throughout the season. It, it's a lot due to confidence, and I had an awesome opportunity to gain a lot of confidence during the summer that I wasn't expecting. And the random like side note, I had a disappointing to me. It was disappointing a disappointing cross year um, in some ways, but at the same time, I had a lot to be proud of. So. I think a lot of that was just fuel for the fire, and I, I came to conference this year, and I wanted redemption for me and my team. Um, and anchoring that DMR again, I, I wasn't going to let those three women down. No way. Way to bounce back, Rachel. <laughs> Tried. <laughs> Tried really hard. <laughs> so now, obviously, missing the outdoor because of Corona. I kind of hate Corona. Corona's been awful to all of us. Yeah, I'm so sick of hearing about it. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's hard not to talk about it, though. I mean, it's influencing and affecting every single one of us. I know. But we can just stop right there at that. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, since we are quarantined, you had to leave ISU in the beginning of March. We are now in the middle of April, just past Easter. 
what have you been doing for the last month to kind of try to stay in running shape and to, I mean, keep your mind off of the crazy things that are going on? I'd say just backtracking a little bit, like the week the news came out, um, <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it other than like I went through a solid week of like depression <laughs> um, and like I, I questioned like why I was training. I was like, oh, why should I go run 12 miles today if I don't need to? I didn't take a week off. I just, I reduced everything to like the bare minimum. So I'd run like three miles, like a week. <laughs> and so, I mean, it was just kind of getting my mind back into it at that point. And I had a lot of great conversations with my coaches and they were sending out like training for the team, just kind of giving us a heads up. Like we're still going to train through May, like into May, like we're having a track season and we're asking you guys to time trial on a couple of weekends just to see where your body's at, see where your fitness level's at, just so by the time we do get to cross-country in August, we're not so worn down by the same training for five months. Um, if we started cross-country training right now, I think I'd already be tired of it. Uh, so we're still doing, like, the speed work. We're still doing, like, I mean, my mileage is as high as it's ever been right now. I personally found the easiest way to get my mind back was just going back to the basics not focusing on pace like I I don't turn on my watch for some of my runs just because it gets in my head a lot when I go do workouts you know I see the pace my coaches put on there and not in a negative way but I take it as a suggestion because I'm like I'm gonna go as hard as my body can today and how I feel and if that is this pace if that's faster than this pace if it's slower than this pace I'm putting out the best effort that I can on every given day and then just going back to you know, stretching a lot more, taking care of my body. I invested in a pair of, a set of like workout bands to do some hip work and just really hammering like the core work just to, since we're not weightlifting, just staying strong and staying fit. So it's a lot of different pieces of the puzzle there, but it did what I think I needed to do personally just to get out of that rut uh, right after the news came out. Had to keep doing something. I think all of us yeah. had to, had to. Yeah, I've noticed a lot more people are outside when I go for runs now. Um, everyone's just trying to, like, get out of their house, trying not to go stir crazy. And, I mean, when I go for a run, I, I think, like, what else would I be doing? Like, sitting on the couch for hours a day? <laughs> <laughs> right. So, at this point, yeah, it's, it's really just, like, what else would I be doing? And, like, I don't know. I've tried to, like, keep a schedule, I guess. Like, a lot of my professors that with Zoom and everything, they're like, oh, we still meet at 2 p.m. on Tuesdays and Thursdays or, like, at regular regular class time. So, by the same token, I'm trying to keep, like, a regular practice schedule. We practice at, like, 3.15, so that's typically when I'd go run every day. And, you know, it's weather-dependent. Um, <laughs> sometimes I woke up this morning and I saw snow and I was like, crap, I have to run nine miles. But, you know, we'll get it done. Hopefully it'll be a little bit warmer by 3. Hopefully. It's, it's a good possibility. <laughs> I think the snow's gone here. I think it's starting to melt away. I think there's just a little bit left. So are you back home in LaSalle then? Yeah, I'm in Peru, technically. My state champion sign from sophomore year got put in LaSalle, and I don't live there, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> technical, technical, technicalities. <laughs> I went to high school in Mendota. And to us, or at least to me, LaSalle, Peru is all the same. Anywhere that I'm at, anywhere, it's just LaSalle, Peru. No. <laughs> That's like saying Bloomington Normal is the same, and it's just not. <laughs> <laughs> 
I lived in Oglesby and LaSalle later on when I was with the local newspaper. And yeah, I agree with you. Once you're there, then it's different. Right. I think it's more of like, I say Peruvians. I know that's like probably not the technical term, but like I think us Peruvians are the only ones that are really sensitive about that. But yeah, it's different. Well, there's some people in Spring Valley that get mad if you say St. Bede is in Peru and not Spring Valley. Oh, but isn't it like tech? Well, I don't know where the sign is or the line. I guess I don't know. I, I always thought it's in Peru. Yeah, I think the school is actually in Peru, but like some of the land or something might be on Spring Valley. But it's just like a border oh, okay. war. Everybody's like, no, it's mine. No, it's mine. That's like arguing over what part of LaSalle, Peru is in LaSalle slash Peru because the school is like split in half. Okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, technicalities. If people want to <laughs> fight about it, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because it really doesn't matter at the end of the day. No. <laughs> Well, when you are sitting at home, what are you doing? Are you watching anything cool on Netflix? Uh, my brother and I have recently been into Money Heist. It's a little annoying because it was originally filmed in Spanish, so the audio's off because they just dubbed over it. But it's, it's such a good show. It's like number five on Netflix right now. I would recommend it. I have seen the ad. I have seen yeah. it on the, uh, the, like, the playlist. I have not watched it yet, though. Right, it's really good. And then, of course, we had to watch Tiger King, too, so we finished that in, like, two days. Just to just to get with the rest of the world, you know, like, everyone was talking about it, so I, you know, you had to. Well, that was my plan for today. Like, after I'm done talking to you, I am going to binge-watch Tiger King. And you know what, just because of that... I won't tell you anything, but it is very crazy. I can't believe people live like that. <laughs> this is what I've heard, so I have to watch yeah. this. Yeah. Definitely. Go with the world. <laughs> <laughs> so it's worth it's worth the binge? You know, it's... <laughs> I don't know. Like, at the, at the beginning, we were all like, what is this? I'm very confused. And then by, like, episode three, it's, it's not about tigers anymore. And you're just kind of like, I hate so many people in this, but I'm going to keep watching because their lives are entertaining. <laughs> so it's like a train wreck. Like, you do not yeah. want to see the train wreck, but you watch because it's... Right. Right, like it's it's bad, but you just you have to keep watching. It's just. I mean, I've seen the photo of the main guy with the like the blonde mullet and yeah. what he wears, and I'm like, this is one reason I would not watch it. But at the same time, this guy has to be a circus act, and I want to see what happens. Yeah, Joe Exotic is definitely going to be the Halloween costume of 2020. Getting ready for the fall <laughs> to see that all over the place. Are you going to be a person in that costume? God, no. <laughs> okay, if anything, I can see myself dressing like Carol Baskin just because she dresses in all cat prints. And I definitely have things in my house that I could find make that work. But <laughs> I think I'll pass <laughs> on both, to be honest. <laughs> A little too risque? Yeah, yeah. Not not really like my, my go-to. <laughs> but you're right. We're going to see all kinds of those costumes come October. Yeah. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of children named Joe Exotic or Carol Baskin. Um, I'm calling it after this quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> so the next round of baby boomers, because this is probably going to be a baby boomer so, era. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And they're going to have crazy baby names. I've seen like memes out there about like people naming their kids Corona. And I'm like, please, no. <laughs> like, leave this in the past. <laughs> I know it's going to happen, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I don't know. Just name your kids normal things, please. What if they had a kid that was like the first name Corona, middle name Exotic, mm, yeah. last name Baskins? It's some. It's gonna be something like that. I guarantee you. One of my teammates who's graduating this year, she's elementary ed, so I can't wait to text her in like five years and be like, "What are the kids in your classes named?" <laughs> Please tell me. <laughs> right. It's gonna be interesting, but I can see that happening. Yeah. Same here. <laughs> Yeah, it's sad, sadly, but we live in a crazy enough society where that will happen. Exactly. <laughs> and now that you're back in the area, have you, obviously you're linking up with Ashley, Hagee, any other LaSalle, Peru natives, former teammates that you're linking up with and talking to, running with while you're here? Oh yeah, I mean, I've been, I've been talking to a lot of people from that group, current senior class, just checking in with them mostly because they're the ones that are being... Very affected by this, obviously, but uh, I mean that was pretty much our whole team at that time. If you remember, like that whole four by eight when I was a senior, they were all sophomores. So, you know, like Michaela and Emma and Renee and Ashley are all seniors now. I've been kind of talking to them, running with Ashley socially distantly every now and then, <laughs> dragging my brother along when he can be pulled out of retirement uh, some days. <laughs> And, I mean, he'll pace me on my time trials. Um, and every now and then I'll run into, like, Logan Schaefer, one of the guys out at the track, getting work done for their colleges. Gotcha. And your brother, I was going to say his name earlier, and I forgot. Well, then you said brother again. So thank you, Connor Hickey. Of <laughs> he was a great runner for LaSalle Peru. I remember watching him at State as well. Yeah, yeah. And then he ended up going to Valpo. So he's been done for, like, a year now. He graduated last May, but... He ended up coming home during all this craziness, so we've been running together again when I can convince him to come out of retirement. <laughs> <laughs> he's only got to be, like, what, 24? Yeah, I mean, I think he's 24, 23. How much older is he? I don't know. <laughs> it's one of those. If I'm turning 20, okay, if I'm turning 20 this year, he's turning 24 in December. I got it. So he's 23. Okay. Sorry, I just had to do the math there. <laughs> no problem. I, I, I have to do that with my know, sister. You know, I always know my age because mine's easy. I was born in 2000, so whatever year it is is how old I'm going to be. <laughs> Definitely. So. Definitely. I have to do the same thing with my sister, though. She's three years younger than me, but her birthday is in the same month, and it's three days ahead of mine. Oh, yeah. Now we're like a solid six months apart. <laughs> gotcha. So we're like three days shy of three years apart. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. Anything else you want to talk about? I guess life is surprisingly busy, despite being inside all the time. Piece of advice to anyone that is going into college, and especially if you're a student athlete, don't take 18 credit hours in a semester. Please don't do that to yourself. <laughs> especially if you're an athlete. Like, if you're yeah, an don't, athlete don't and do doing it. 18 hours, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, I, if we had an outdoor season, I think I'd be going insane right now, just with all the travel um, and the class loads. And then, like, I, I write for a school newspaper, and I'm on the Student Athlete Advisory Committee. We still have meetings via Zoom. Great. Can't wait for that. And just all those little things, they add up. So do yourselves a favor and... Make your academics as easy as you can. <laughs> That's words of the wise right there. I totally agree. 
don't put yourself through the things that I am. <laughs> well, speaking of putting yourself through things, what is making you get into journalism? <laughs> so it's interesting. Even my professors tell us every <laughs> every so often that, like, you know, like newspapers are a dying industry, and your like top of the line jobs aren't that rate of pay and it's like why am I doing this like you wonder sometimes like why is my professor telling me this first of all and then second of all why but I think uh and you might you might agree with this I think those of us in journalism just love it I mean I would hope we love it if you're doing it and I know I do I just I've always loved writing and it's been what I've been good at I mean Ashley last week was just complaining about how I cranked out a six-page paper in three hours, but that's just what we do. I mean, we just were able to write, and I, I love it. I love working for my school newspaper. Um, I've done some work for the TV station for one of my classes, and I've started to be exposed to that side of it, too. And I just think there is something so unique about telling other people's stories that you just can't find in any other profession. <laughs> If somebody were to ask me the question I asked you, a lot of what you just said is exactly what I would say. I'm not even lying. Yeah, I mean, I think most people in this profession say. I think I have said, obviously not word from word, but yeah, that is a lot of my answer. I love it. I mean, I've been doing it. I got my first professional job in 2005, so it's been 15 years. And I've done newspapers, I've done radio, obviously I'm doing a podcast, I've done some TV yeah. stuff, I've, some, I've done some PR stuff, I've traveled all over Illinois, I've traveled for assignments to Detroit, to Missouri, uh, you get some travel in there, if I was with a bigger paper, I'd probably, you know, go international or nationwide instead of just the Midwest, but yeah, there's so many different opportunities, so many different people you're talking to, so many different stories that you're telling, so many different everything and that is a thing if you are not a routine base like hey i want to go to my job from eight in the morning till five in the afternoon and i'm going to do the same reports and i'm going to talk to the same people and we're going to tell the same stories about our kids and our family if you want something different than that then journalism is definitely the way to go because there's nothing the same from day to day i would so agree with that i think it's I mean, just being the major right now, it's one of the most unique majors I've seen on campus. It just allows you to pretty much do whatever you want. And I don't see a ton of majors that offer that. Like, yeah, I can pick my sequence in marketing, but ultimately I ended up choosing, like, the PR communications route of marketing because that's what means the most to me. That's what I think I'm best at. But with journalism, like, you literally have your pick of the litter. I guess to throw out a phrase, but you can do broadcast, you can do print, you can do web design, you can do magazines. Like there's just so many, like you, the way you said it, there's so many opportunities that I, I don't see, I don't know. I, I don't see myself not doing it. Like, I don't know what I'm doing for sure yet. Like print broadcast, whatever. But I think just having some expertise in a, a little bit of them all, there's a lot of doors that are going to be open for me after college. Definitely. And I like how you're looking at it like it's not all about newspapers. So I went to college in my freshman year would have been 04, 05. I graduated in 10 after a two-year leave. But anyway, 
um, my focus was newspapers. Like that's what I wanted to do. And at that time it was still okay, but the doors were starting to narrow. Like it was starting to be, okay, this is in 10, 15, 20 years, it's probably not going to be a thing anymore. It's still a thing, but there are a dime a dozen and jobs are definitely tough to come about. Yeah, but yeah, you're, you're in an era or generation where there there's tons of stuff that you could do journalism wise on the net or other areas that it doesn't have to be newspapers. So if you're still looking for a journalism job, that is okay. That's definitely awesome because journalism is amazing. But you don't have to like specialize in newspapers. Right, and I think that's like the nice thing about our program, especially at ISU, is they don't make you specialize. Um, you can pretty much do introductory classes and everything and that's what I have been trying to do um sure I do a lot more work for the newspaper I'm trying to I applied to be with the sports editor next year so hopefully that process gets moving along soon they got pushed back due to the virus and everything but if that if I got that job that would be awesome be a lot more work uh, in addition to being an athlete I have a passion for print which is sad because it is just a dying industry but I mean our classes talk about like social media and journalism which wasn't really a thing probably that was talked about too much when you went to school and uh, like just in the past it wasn't a journalism thing and now it's a huge journalism thing so you can get jobs literally in social media which i think is very cool yeah that was something i had to learn along the way obviously i'm very fluent in it now and you know that's part of how i made money at the paper and how you know i'm keeping this podcast alive and doing things like that but yeah there was not classes about it twitter facebook was not a thing actually facebook came around my freshman year in college yeah, oh my gosh. <laughs> and you had to be you had to be a college student to even get onto it for the first like two or three years. Oh. Dang, I I don't think I knew that actually for some reason. Yeah, when it first came about you had to be a college kid. And then when they saw that, you know, other people were interested, then they opened the doors for others that were not in college to have access to Facebook. So yeah, it was a college thing when it first came about. I think that's really ironic because, like, I pretty much just use Facebook for, like, my family now. <laughs> <laughs> like, adults that want to keep up with my life. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and that is another thing with journalism is we're talking about social media. You have to be able to adapt. Yeah. I'm going to have to learn things along the way, too. I already know that. <laughs> Definitely. So. I'm happy for you. Like, journalism is so awesome, and I'm glad that you have a love for it. I love it, and I can't imagine if I was doing anything else. Like I said, I I have a banking job. I told you off air, but I've told this podcast that before. I have a banking job, but my number one love will always be journalism, and that's why we're doing this podcast, and I have awesome guests like you to talk to. (laughs) Thank you. I'm flattered. Well, I appreciate you agreeing to do this. As always, Rachel, it is amazing to talk to you, and I'm glad you're doing well and keeping sane during this crazy time that we're in. I'll try. I'll try really hard. But thank you. So I pushed stop, and then me and Rachel were talking for a little bit longer, and then I'm like, you know what? I forgot to ask you something. Every single time that I talked to Rachel for, we had a thing called Athlete of the Week, and we would just ask some random questions to people, get to know the athlete just a little bit better. And it seemed like every time I spoke with Rachel, I asked her a music question, what she was listening to in warm-ups, or what she listened to on the bus, or something like that, and every single answer was always Panic at the Disco. Rachel, is that still the case today? So, since I haven't released a ton of new music lately... I mean, I still listen to them, but I would say not so much on the 
bus on the way to meet. But I did go to a Tony One Pilots concert last June. Uh, loved them. Um, I, I've loved their music for a while, but when you see them in person, it's just insane. It just elevates. It takes you to another level. So been really into Tony One Pilots. And oddly enough, on the bus and before races, I don't is, but I have really enjoyed Billie Eilish. Um, I sound like such a basic white girl saying that. But it's just something about her. Um, I love her music. I love her voice. Her style is, like, creepy. I don't know. <laughs> I am now so. going to title this podcast, Rachel Hickey, the basic white girl. Um, you know, honestly, I I'm, wouldn't be surprised by it because, yes, I watched Tiger King. Um, <laughs> I was really Eilish. I, I, I bullet journal. <laughs> So, like, I don't know how, like, I drink coffee every morning. I'm a huge coffee addict since college. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> so, yeah, I sound very basic right now, but, sorry, this is such a random story. But last year when I was on crushes, I don't know what it was about it. Maybe it was just, like, I was, I don't know, I was in my room more often or I was at Starbucks more often, but I started drinking, like, three cups of coffee a day. And I didn't realize it was a problem until one day I just didn't have coffee. And I'm going around on crutches and I'm, like, passing out. <laughs> so, that was the day I realized I have a coffee problem. <laughs> Do you still have that coffee problem today? Yeah, yeah, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, what kind of coffee? Are we talking Starbucks? Are we talking Folgers? What are we doing here? There's anything I can get my hands on. On campus, we have Starbucks, so I, I've tried a lot of things on their menu. But, I mean, now that Connor's home big problem for me because he's a coffee snob and he makes his own coffee from like drip coffee and like french press and he has like a bunch of different little toys that he plays with for coffee and so now he just makes really good coffee in the mornings that I just I can't turn down like <laughs> he made me coffee last night when I was in my night lecture at 5 30 p.m and I'm like I'm gonna be up all night this is bad but I'm gonna drink it anyways because it's very good <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'll take the consequences for some awesome coffee. Yeah, he was just like, I got these beans in the mail, like, just now. I just, I had to make it. I had to try it. So here you go. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> That's awesome. What is your favorite kind of coffee? Do you have a favorite flavor? I don't know if this is a flavor, but, like, so I went to Costa Rica this summer. I ran in Costa Rica. And they have, like, huge plantations where they grow beans and all that um, and my parents you know while I was busy trapped in a hotel um, being monitored by team officials and not allowed basically to go out uh, they were doing all the touristy stuff and they went to a plantation tour and they, we brought home some beans sorry customs um, <laughs> probably shouldn't have brought that probably should be admitting this oh my gosh <laughs> we brought home some coffee and it's so good like Costa Rican coffee is I mean, they, they told my parents on the tour that the grade beans they give Starbucks is, like, the lowest grade that they produce. So they're just hogging all the really good coffee, and it's just a stronger taste. It's, I don't know. I can't describe it. It's just so good. I think we're out, finally out of those beans. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So after you get done with college and stuff, you're going to move to Costa Rica so you can drink awesome coffee all the time. You know, I'm at least going to go back to Costa Rica because there's so many things there I just didn't get to do. Like, my parents went on a hot springs tour. They went to a volcano. My coach went zip lining the day after my race. So I was like, okay, I didn't get to do anything cool, but it's fine. 
<laughs> and you say coaches in the day after your race. You were running for USA Juniors? I was running for Team USA down there, the U20 Pan Am Games. So basically, under 20. Yeah, <laughs> basically. But my college coach came on the trip, and he, <laughs> when I made the team, he was like, oh, I'm going with. And I'm like, you don't have to. That's really expensive. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, no, it's fine. And he's like, no, I'm bringing my wife. We're making this a honeymoon that we never had. What's your coach's name? Uh, John Michael Brandt. And yes, it's John Michael. He gets mad if you don't say both first names. Oh, wow. So John Michael. Yeah, fun little random petty fact about him. He's like, he's very young. So um, he's like, I don't know, 28. I think he turned 28 this year. His wife. And they have a two-year-old daughter and they're expecting another kid. But they came on the trip because their honeymoon when they got married, since it was so quick after college, is they went to Des Moines, Iowa, and that's not much of a honeymoon. So <laughs> he took advantage of Costa Rica, for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty crazy. Well, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he was very appreciative that you made that team so he could go. Yeah, probably for more reasons than one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Real quick before I let you go, Let's just talk about that experience. I mean, being in Costa Rica, representing your country, you know, taking it past school organization runs, like not high school, not ISU. You're with the big dogs, the best of the best. How did that make you feel to be in that company and to have that opportunity? You know, I I remember the News Tribune article on this coming out, and the headline was just, quote, dreams come true. And I was like, yeah, you know, that is very accurate. (laughs) That's pretty much what it was. Is I, I I dreamt about moments like that. I always dream about wearing a Team USA uniform. Uh, who doesn't? When you love running or your sport or whatever as much as we do, um, and you want you want that. That's ultimately the goal. Is everyone wants to be an Olympian or something. So I think that was the first step of me realizing that some of my dreams aren't as crazy as maybe I thought they were originally. Um, in high school, I again I never saw myself in this position. I never saw myself making a team. And so when I did that, I guess I proved to myself that it's possible to make the next team, which would be like the senior team. Um, And yeah, it's going to be a lot more work, but (laughs) it was just a complete shock to make this team. So maybe I can shock myself again. (laughs) Who knows? And when was that? Was that the summer of 19? Yeah, it was this last summer. Uh, At the end of June was the qualifying round, and it was down in Florida in Oh my gosh, I remember that day so vividly because it was 105 degrees at the time I raced. And we brought like an ice vest. Like a, it, it's, a, it's a vest and you fill it with like ice water. It's supposed to keep you cool. And I just remember thinking how ridiculous this was. <laughs> I was like dragging my coach around the meet still. And I was like, I have to buy this t-shirt. And he's like, why do you have to buy that t-shirt? And I'm like, I want to have something to remember this by. And so after the race, I'm dripping in sweat. Because it's so hot and it's so humid in Florida. And my coach comes up to me and he goes, you're going to have a lot more than that T-shirt. And you're going to regret spending $40 on that T-shirt with what you're about to get. (laughs) Um, And he was right. It's like a suitcase that's almost as tall as I am with all the the gear and stuff in it. It was crazy. So you're like, man, (laughs) I really did just waste $40. I really did just waste $40. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you live and you learn. Um, Do you remember that piece of clothing or that shirt more than any of the rest of them, though? Yes, because it's actually, ironically, it's the only 
piece of clothing I can wear at practice because it follows the color rule. Um, at ISU, we're only allowed to wear uh, school colors, so red, black, gray, and white, and it's a gray and black shirt, and everything else I got was blue, and I'm not about to just show up at practice in a blue shirt. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, it's the only piece that I have that I can wear at practice, so yeah, I remember it very well. <laughs> so you obviously did not waste $40 then. I suppose not. Um, it's just an overpriced practice shirt. Correct. It's a very overpriced shirt compared to, <laughs> <laughs> compared to everything else. <laughs> I guess calling an overpriced practice shirt is better than a waste of $40. Yeah. I, I kind of like that. An OPP. Or no, OPS. OPS, right? Yep. Over, or no, would it be OPS? There was two P. I don't know. Okay, you know what? I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> My mom says I talk too much. So. You can call it the oops, the overpriced practice shirt. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, so you are planning on trying to, t to make more USA teams and, you know, further your career in the, uh, I guess, federal level, national level? <laughs> It's interesting to see. I know it's very ambitious to say, but with the Olympics being pushed back a year, you know, it's, a, it's another year to grow. Uh, who knows what can happen in a year? Uh, and I tell myself that all the time. And because even just thinking of like the year before I went to Costa Rica, I was graduating high school and I was just starting all this crazy training that I do now. Who would have thought in a year? You never know what's going to happen in a year. 2021 is a lofty goal, but a goal. And if not, there's three more years after that for, I think those are going to be in Paris, the Paris Olympics. It's a goal that is out there for sure. We'll see if one day that can happen. Awesome. Well, I'm going to be right behind you every step, cheering you on, because I hope you can do amazing things, because I know you can. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. Do we have anything else we want to bring up and talk about before I officially hit the stop button? <laughs> I think we're finally good. <laughs> I think I can stop talking. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you're a talker because that's what we do here at Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, best of luck with everything, Rachel, and running and your journalism career. And again, trying to stay sane in the crazy time that we're in. Thank you very much. <laughs>